Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. A warning the details in today's episode might be disturbing for young listeners. There are certain lies that we tell to children. We tell them that somebody out there is keeping score, that morality matters. There's a list, and the good will be rewarded. Others will get nothing. We tell them that simply growing older is an achievement, and that the very teeth that fall from their skulls have value. And we tell them that our collective release from the deathly grip of winter can be anticipated by a rodent's shadow. We invest in these lies. We sneak into our children's rooms at night, We wear disguises, and our politicians collude with us in perpetuating them. This is a story about Groundhog Day. It's a story about deception, about cover-ups from elected officials. It's a story about imposters. It is a story, some say, about murder. The true story of Wyerton Willie. Canada Land News Editor Jonathan Goldsby brings us his investigation in a moment. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Kevin Hayes, Eric Hortop, Elizabeth Brown, Jason Manuge, Chris Kim, Christina Dreiger, Andrea Stokes, and Cameron. Hello, my name is Cameron. I'm a contractor from Toronto. I support Canada Land because I believe in keeping our news media equitable and accountable. Also, I appreciate that Canada Land tackles stories that would otherwise go unreported by mainstream news sources. I think he's buried under the straw. It's got to be what's going on because I'm not seeing him. What they appear to have hidden in the past is when a Willie dies. I'll bet he has died. They're just not letting on. There's some mystery to this, okay? So this past Groundhog Day 
Wyerton appeared via a pre-recorded message. So everyone was like, hey, what's up with Wyerton? He kept saying, like, I shouldn't be telling you this. The town doesn't want this to get out. The dead of winter can be a dreary time. It feels as if there's nothing to look forward to. The weather keeps us all pent up inside. By February especially, the darkness seeps in. It's as true now as it was in 1957, when our story begins. It all started with a ghost. Groundhog Day is rooted in medieval Europe in the Christian festival of Candlemas, when farmers would purify their lands by carrying torches in procession before sowing time. But in 1957, in the town of Wyerton on Ontario's Bruce Peninsula, the iconic celebrations emerged from the imagination of one man, Mac Mackenzie. Mackenzie, who was an assistant to Ontario's health minister at the time, hoped to liven up the dreary season with a midwinter gathering at a local bar. Half in jest, he also drafted a news release that circulated around the provincial legislature. Not one to pass up scoop, the Toronto Daily Star dispatched a reporter to travel the 220 kilometers northwest to Wyerton. When that reporter arrived, there was no groundhog to be found. Simply an idea of one. The essence. The spirit. That journalist, Frank Teske, knew he couldn't return to his editors with no story and no photos. So some men took a fur hat from atop a woman's head, placed it in a mound of snow, and made Wyerton's first Groundhog Day forecast. Ghost of a Groundhog, read the cut line in the newspaper, under a photo of a woman, Susan Smiley, clutching a fur hat with pearl buttons. That was as close as she or anyone else that day would come to a live creature. The first Groundhog Day in Wyerton, Ontario, was a sham. And the residents, the town... The media, they were all in on it. Mackenzie himself kept the secret for over 40 years. But from that day, a tradition was born. Frank Teske was hardly the last reporter to show up to Wyerton's Groundhog Day festivities. And it was far from the last time that Willie, in fact, wouldn't. There had been stories over the years. Little bits and pieces sprinkled here and there. But just last fall, Canadian press reporter Liam Casey started looking at just how far the deception ran. So, just to confirm, so you're um, the general assignment Ontario reporter for Canadian Press, or how? What is your what is your title? Yeah, I'm a, I think technically a reporter editor with the Canadian Press uh, in the Ontario Bureau, so um, I can cover anything and everything kind of news related so not sports entertainment or business but you know everything else kind of thing you've been there for about eight years now i started there in january of 2015 ironically my first out of town assignment was groundhog day that year so what was your experience of going to wireton so i had never been to wireton before and um cp diligently covers Wyerton Willie and Groundhog Day every year, and usually sending up a photographer and a reporter. It was minus 16 on February 2nd with a wind chill of minus 24. I specifically remember how cold it was that day. And it happens at 8.07 a.m. when they do the announcement 
At 8.07, Wyatt and Willie is brought out onto the main stage in a plexiglass box lined with some hay. not just any old groundhog. He's albino. Like Sean Patrick Flannery in the 1995 movie Powder, his albinism is not unproblematically suggested to be linked with his special powers. Maybe his genetic makeup fine-tunes his sensitivity, a Willie representative told The Globe in 1990. Willie has studiously examined the wind flows, scrutinized the ocean currents, and studied the cloud formation for months. So he raises his little white head and whispers his prediction into the ear of the town's mayor, who is said to be uniquely versed in the marmot equivalent of parcel tongue, Groundhogese. So now, Willie shall secretly divulge in Groundhogese to Mayor Jackson his uncanny weather prediction for her worship to reveal to the world! When Liam attended the event seven years ago, it was the first ceremony presided over by Mayor Janice Jackson, who had taken office just two months earlier. She kind of leaned in and, you know, supposedly listened to what the alleged weather prognosticator said and then announced it to the crowd. And, you know, there was a couple hundred people there, even though it was so cold. It's a big it's a big deal up in Wharton. There's a lot of pomp and ceremony on the day of the festival. Like everyone's dressed up in this kind of old-time clothing, and there's a park there where there's a big, huge statue of a groundhog. A lot of snowmobilers come in. There's parties, like, up until a pandemic, the restaurants and bars we packed. It's very difficult to get a motel room in town. A lot of us have had to stay in Owen Sound the night before and then make the make the drive in. You know, it is, it's a fun, it's a fun party. A fun party, indeed. And the stakes for the town are set. Its identity is tied up with Willie's, who brings in the tourists and the dollars. Lose Willie, lose it all. But this is something for which the town had long been prepared. With a decades-long legacy riding atop a mystical marmot, no single Willie could be expected to carry the torch alone. I was just interested in, you know, where they, where they get the Willies. They get tips from all over the province and the country if they, if they hear of an albino or a white groundhog, and they would go out and trap it. And they like to have a few in their possession in case a willy dies, so that there's a backup. They call them understudies, or wee willies. An imposter by any other name would sound as duplicitous. In 2017, the town's preparation and succession planning paid off. Like a Willie died in 2017. They had the understudy there, so then they did like a funeral. It was in the summertime, and, you know, there's, there's I think, CTV video of it, and they kind of turned that into an event. He may have just been a rodent in a box, but for the town of Wyerton, Ontario, he was Willie. Oh, yay! Wyerton Town Council announcing that Willie... The prognosticating albino groundhog has passed away at the ripe old age of 13, more than three times the lifespan of an average groundhog. But the 2017 funeral was not the first Willie send-off, but it sent journalists digging for stories of Willie's past and what they found. 
took them far down the borough. And in 1999, Willie died about a week before Groundhog Day. And there was no understudy. The understudy had died, and so they didn't have any white groundhogs. What ended up happening is they keep this to themselves, and they rule out Willie. People are, at this point, nobody knows, and there's a couple hundred people there, including children. And they unveil a casket. A funeral service for a departed Willie, complete with creepy pennies on the eyes. But it turned out this cadaver was a fake. Town officials were forced to admit this was a stuffed groundhog put on display because the original Willie had badly decomposed. The actual groundhog that had died would have been too gross to put in the casket, so we used uh, a former Willie uh, to take his place. Children were crying, and so that did not go over well. That made, like, that was on CNN. It went all around the world. Uh, we have uh, our photographer, Frank Gunn, was there that day. He had this photo that literally made it around the world. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Frank Gunn with the Canadian Press, national photographer since uh, 92, which, which is when I first covered Willie. <laughs> Certainly the, uh, the, the first of the Dead Willie's uh, appearances in 99, it turned into a bit of an affair with the little pine coffin and everybody in their tuxedos. And uh, I remember going up and calling into my desk in the morning and my my first line to the desker was something along the lines of, he, he's dead. W- winter, winter's never going to end. And uh, that, that day was so odd that that silly picture of the groundhog in a pine casket was on the front of the New York Times. That, that's my memory of it. It, it, was, it was just one of those things that struck a chord with so many people for being... Um, a marker of how odd the human race is. A headline in The Globe proclaimed, Wyerton Willie's corpse a fake, displayed in a coffin for closure. As Bill Walker, the event's coordinator, and now the area's member of provincial parliament, told the Canadian press, people need to see the body to believe it. And the more you look into the history of Willie, the more you understand why. The Waterloo Record reported in 1991 that for years, the mayor had claimed that he sought out Willie at a secret borough north of town to bring back the news of his prediction. The groundhog keeper admitted to the reporter there were some years they didn't even have a groundhog at all. One time in the 1980s, Willie was said to have been kidnapped. But the fog of Willie is so thick that it's not clear whether that even really happened. By 1996, there were reports of Willie receiving threats. Death threats. Sometimes, they'd take the form of calls saying Willie should be shot. The Toronto Star reported that the town hall received a note, assembled from letters cut out of a magazine. The provincial police were called, and security around Willie was stepped up. Then, in 99, Willie really died. But by that point, it was practically a shell game of dead groundhogs. The town got a new set of willies soon after, and in 2002, they cut the ribbon on a new municipal groundhog enclosure. The bodies, however, continued to pile up. Here's Global News again. When early in his reign, two understudy groundhogs were killed by a more senior rodent. Officials suspected Willie, but as long as the town square was full of tourists every February, no one asked too many questions. 
Willie was blamed for the 2003 murder of his two understudies. But just last fall, Liam reported that Willie had, in fact, been framed. So I'm reading the old copy, and it had a caretaker's name from 1999, a man named Sam Brewer. Liam, not wanting to let this thread go, called up Brewer and heard his version of the story. He had cared for three Willies for about 15 years. He took uh, pride, great pride in, in keeping them, right? And they lived, they lived on his property in an enclosure, and he said they were basically like pets. You know, he could, he could pick them up. He told me his fingernails are still, some of them are still screwed up to, to this day from, from bites from back then. The willies that he took care of lived, I think, to 17, 19, and 22, which apparently is very old for groundhogs. But trouble came for the wee willies when the town took over care of the animals. Brewer was hesitant to speak at first. <laughs> he kept saying, like, I shouldn't be telling you this. The town doesn't want this to get out. But Liam eventually coaxed the story out. They decided to make a new enclosure, and Tronzu had helped design this enclosure for them. And he said, basically, the design had this P-trap pipe, like a groundhog hole, you know, and they could come out of the hole into the enclosure, which was kind of open to the public and outdoors. Then they could go back down their little hole into sort of this indoor enclosure, right? But the enclosure design was flawed. And one day, the P-trap pipe filled with water. A couple of the groundhogs uh, drowned, and they kept that uh, under wraps. After being trapped for months alongside the bodies of the wee willies, the town then pinned their deaths on Willie Prime. That is some kind of nerve. Another mystery. The tunnel, apparently, had not appeared in the original design for the habitat. So... Who inserted this watery death trap, and when? This digression into the history of the willies is crucial, because it lays the groundhog groundwork for what came to pass last winter. On February 2nd, 2021, Liam gets a startling message from his colleague, Paola Lariggio, who was assigned to cover Wyrton Willie's seasonal prediction. Paola was like, Willie's dead. He's dead for sure. Because of COVID, Groundhog Day festivities had moved online. A link had been shared for Willie's fans to tune in and for reporters to watch the road and to make his forecast. Instead of a live stream, however, it was a canned, pre-produced video. It's a really bizarre video. There's no sign of Willie. In the video, The there's a, uh, like a tourism guy who's going around like, where's Willie? Where's Willie? And it's really set to this really cheesy music. There you are. I've been looking everywhere for you. Where's Willie? We need to do a prediction. And there's no sign of Willie. And then in the video, the, I think it's the mayor grabs somebody's fur hat and just throws it in the ground. It's an early spring. There you have it, folks, from beautiful Wyerton, Ontario. The official prediction. Willie predicts an early spring. An homage to the original Wyrton Willie Festival, and it just ended. Some heavy hitters in the video too, right? If you've seen, there's the uh, Premier Doug Ford, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, all wishing Willie well. Whether or not our favorite groundhog sees his shadow, there are brighter days ahead. Happy 65th anniversary, Willie. But it turns out Willie's already dead, long dead at that point, but we had no idea.
This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated, and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals pre and probiotics, and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now, and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're, if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of, organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in, in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Is Willie dead or alive? That was not just the question that Liam and others wondered last February 2nd. It was also the headline of a press release the town put out the very next day. The document posed a further query. Would you question the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus? It went on, saying, Whether or not a groundhog is present on Groundhog Day, the point is for the day to be lighthearted and the community to just have fun! Exclamation point. Instead of providing answers, the town was seemingly impressed by its own Schrodinger's marmot. But if you want to know the real story and the real history of Wyatt and Willie, look for the news that isn't published in February. As winter turned to spring, and spring turned to summer, and summer turned to fall, town officials remained tight-lipped. When the town put out a short press release on... Let me just bring it up here. November 23rd, 2021. Six sentences long. The fourth sentence says, Our albino prognosticator sadly passed away, leaving his big brown understudy in charge of making the 2022 prediction. Not only was Willie dead, the supply of albino wee willies had run out too. A brown Willie would be the town's new mascot. At least for a year. And then we had a rather lengthy conversation about Willie in our morning news meeting the next day and kind of felt to me. And the only condition I had is I didn't want to write a story that Willie was dead. I wanted to see like, when did Willie die? Like there's, we just had a lot of questions and there's no real answers. And I just figured, well, what? let's just take this seriously because 
it looks like on its surface that the the town and the mayor was, you know, was just lying about Willie. Accountability was needed. So Liam called the one who speaks the language of Willie, Mayor Janice Jackson. Usually, like, I've talked to a lot of mayors in the province, and I would say I could usually get a, a mayor of any given town on the phone the same day that I request to talk to them, whether it's the mayor of Toronto or a small town. And I wasn't getting anything back from the mayor. And, you know, in a lot of these uh, smaller places, they'll put their home numbers, cell numbers, like just right on the internet, right? So I was calling, I was calling Mayor Janice Jackson's home phone, her work phone, email, right? This is pretty serious allegations at this point, right? For me, a bunch of dead willies. Uh, you know, what, what do you want to say? Nothing. And then kind of the story really went a bit nuts online. So the next morning I was like, well, I'm going to try the mayor again. And then she eventually got back to me and was like, oh, let's do an interview. And it was a tense interview. Uh, my first question was, when did Willie die? And she went into, I believe she may have just rehashed the statement from the day before talking about the history. And it was one of those interviews where, you know, you ask the same question like five or six times in slightly different ways because you're not getting the answer. In that same interview, she also said the Willie brand is the most important thing in Wyarton and she's going to protect the Willie brand and protect Wyarton. And, and, and that was it. So I, I still don't know when Willie died. Liam spoke with Mayor Jackson in November. In the run-up to this week's event, we thought we would try again and see if, in the month since, she'd pin down the exact date of the beloved animal's death. How long did the most recent uh, albino Willie live? Um, I'm not uh, totally sure how old he was, but we're thinking uh, about seven or eight, yeah, somewhere around there. When did he pass? I can't tell you exactly when, but it was before the last prediction. It seems not. She did explain, however that the hope of town officials had been to find a new groundhog in time for last year's festival and pretend like nothing had happened at all. That's something you don't want to have frequently or, you know, like every, even every three or four or five years is a willy funeral because then they kind of become meaningless. And so they made the video. The search continued this past summer. High and low, they looked for an albino groundhog, only to come up empty. Willie means everything to Wyarton, and the Willie brand is growing every year. And uh, and really, we were hoping to just quietly find another albino, and um, and just kind of make that transition as we have in the past. Um, but it just simply didn't work out that way. And so when we got to the point where the the window was closing for us, um, we realized we were going to have to enter, um, you know, the next Groundhog Day with a slight transition. A slight transition being with a brown groundhog instead of a white one. That was what prompted the press release in November admitting to Willie's demise. It is more about paving the ground for the new brown groundhog than paying tribute to the life and death of the old white one. I didn't want our community to be stunned on the day. So, uh, But it, it's amazing the, the hoopla that it created. But again, it's Willie, and, and Willie is an icon, and, uh, and Willie's larger than life up here. The mayor did reveal a new piece of information, saying that over the course of the past six and a half decades, she believes that there have been ten Willies to have taken on the role. And of course, coming up with so many white Willies has been no easy feat. 
even becoming an international search. I think I was asked one year, um, do I have any uh, you know, leads on, on, on albino woodchucks? Because they needed one. This is Dan speaking to me last week from a biological research station in French Polynesia. He loves groundhogs, though that's not what he's there studying. I'm Dan Blumstein. I'm a behavioral ecologist and marmot enthusiast based at the University of California, Los Angeles. How common are albino groundhogs? And have you seen one? And what did you think when they contacted you? So there's 15 species of marmots, groundhogs or woodchucks are one of the 15 species. I've studied eight of them. And I've spent a lot of time in the field looking at marmots. And marmots range in color, uh, colors, uh, even within a species. So it's not uncommon to see sort of dark melanistic morphs. But true albinos are really rare. Um, there was an albino yellow-bellied marmot a couple of years ago near where I worked, and everyone's sending me pictures of it. And I went up there and we were looking at it. And my students were trying to trap it and get genetic samples and live trap it. We don't hurt the animals. And, uh, you know, no luck. Uh, but, you know, they're around every once in a while. I think they sort of stand out against the background, and I don't know how long their lives are. <laughs> Predators will find them. So we know the story reveals the sleight of hand, the misdirection, the deception even, around the life and death of Wyrton's very many willies. But was there any reason to suspect foul play had ended the lives of these woodchucks? Were their willy deaths notwithstanding the drowning, perhaps premature. Dan says that groundhogs in captivity typically end up with longer lives than they would have in the wild. The lifespan of the average marmot in the wild is four and a half years. Being killed by a predator, freezing to death, starving over the winter, those are causes of mortality in marmots. So I think that um, captivity where animals are safe and fed and secure and aren't being you know, killed by coyotes and things like that, that, that probably enhances their longevity a lot. I think, I think the, um, the record in the, for yellow-bellied marmots is 21 years. So if we're to believe the mayor, the town's most recent willy lived to the ripe age of seven or eight, and that apparently that is an above-average achievement. So then why not be forthright? Liam wants to know who knew what and when. I do wonder who knew about it. Like, obviously, several people had to have known, right? Like, there's there's a caretaker. Um, there's council. I think there's five members on council. And if this is what the mayor says, that it's the most important event in the town every year, how could other people not know? The mayor says this year, Willie will make an appearance in a live-streamed event, this time, of course, with his brown fur coat. It's going to look exactly the same as every other year. The only difference is we're not going to have a crowd. So it's unfortunate, you know. It's going to be quiet, quiet and a little bit lonely, but uh, it'll still be a lot of fun. But as another festival nears, in which a willy will once again be wheeled out onto a stage to make his meteorological prediction, Liam will be unable to bask in the wonder of Groundhog Day. Instead, he will linger in the shadow, thinking only of the long list of questions that remain unresolved. I, I do think the public needs to know. The public supports this event. The media has been very good to Wyrton throughout the entire 65 years of this event. And I do think people need some honesty. You know, and there's also these are animals. These are live creatures. You know, there needs to be some accountability. 
That is your Canada Land. If you like this show, please support us. You can email me, jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is canadaland.com. New episode of Commons will be live this week. This episode was produced by Jonathan Goldsby with the help of Cassidy villabrin Baracus. Tristan Capicione is our audio editor and technical producer. Our senior producer is Sarah Larniuk. Kieran Oudshorn is our managing editor. Our theme music is by SoCold. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. Hey, if you like this show, our ability to do this, the whole operation relies on listeners supporting it and getting ad-free podcasts and t-shirts and stuff like that in return. This should be a no-brainer. Go to canadaland.com slash join or just click the link in the show notes. It takes like a minute to sign up and we do everything we can to make sure that you will never regret that decision. 